Just imagine not being able to eat or drink from dawn to sundown in the summer heat. Well, every year, millions of Muslims in Britain and around the world go kneel by mouth for up to 21 hours a day to fast in the month of Ramadan. I'm Ramona Ali, and you're listening to Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there is more to life than the purely physical. In this Ramadan series, we'll be meeting some of the country's most notable British Muslims to explore what the month of Ramadan means to them. We'll be unpacking some of the spiritual practices and asking how they balance faith and fasting with the demands of their work. My guest today is a graduate from the Brit School of Performing Arts who shot to fame in 2015 after winning an international talent contest. His debut album, which draws on classical Arabic and Celtic tonalities, became an instant hit. Dubbed the Muslim Justin Bieber, with over 100 million YouTube hits and over half a million followers on Instagram, you could say he's a bit of a social media star. He's taken the global Islamic music scene by storm. He is British singer Harris J. You could try to turn off the sign I'm still gonna shine away yeah, And tell everyone We're having some fun today We can go wherever you wanna And do whatever you like Let's just have a real good time Assalamu alaikum Welcome, Harris. Ramadan Mubarak. And Ramadan Mubarak to you. So let's start with you telling us a bit about the talent competition that you won. How did that happen? Well, in uh, 2013, I had a, a meeting with uh, Awakening Records in London. I was doing music beforehand with like friends and stuff uh, in the UK, but it wasn't faith-inspired music. I was just singing about whatever they wanted me to sing about. And uh, my dad came to me and he said, listen, let's, let's, let's try and sing about something that, that means something to us, you know? And I was like, all right, I'm happy to do so, but how do I do that? He said, there's these guys, Awakening Records, they've actually heard a video. They had actually heard a video of me singing at a charity event. And they wanted to meet me. So I was like, okay, why not? So we had a meeting in London and uh, they told me about their um, competition that they were having. And they said, listen, enter the competition. If you win the competition, we'll give you a proper full-on contract to sign with us and uh, we'll take it from there. And before then, I hadn't heard of like Maher Zayn or, or people like that. I wasn't really into that kind of music. But then I researched it after and I was thinking, wow, like this, this, is, this is crazy, this is big. So I entered the competition, I won the competition and took it from there and it's been amazing ever since. And who is Mahir Zayn? He's like an older brother to me. He's honestly like, he's given me so much words of wisdom. He's really a role model to me, but to the world, he's like a massive, massive international Islamic superstar. I don't know if that's what you can call it, but yeah, he's got literally, he's the most followed Muslim on Facebook in the world, which is crazy. He's got like, I don't know what, 27 million people on Facebook or something like that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's really, he's a phenomenon, but to me, he's just really a role model. So you describe yourself as a proud Muslim with a mixed family heritage. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background? My background is thoroughly mixed. I mean, I have, I have four grandparents who are from four different parts of the world and four different religions. My dad's mum uh, was an Irish Catholic at first, and my dad's dad was 
Indian Muslim. My mum's dad is Russian, Polish, Jewish kind of guy. <laughs> and my mum's mum was uh, a Jamaican and British uh, um, atheist. So literally, I have so many, so many, so much different backgrounds. But um, yeah, my parents both converted to Islam when they were around the same age. And I don't know, I feel, sometimes I feel like, you know, I, I want loyalty to one country and it's a bit annoying. But I feel it's nice to have like a bit of a mix, you know, because because all the different cultures come together very nicely and I get a different taste of each culture. Growing up, I've, I've definitely learned a lot about each different culture. So it was good. Yeah, as you say, there is a lot of intercultural and interfaith mixing. So, yeah. you know, do you feel that your background really helps you to understand your own Muslim identity? I think for, for my own Muslim identity, I've, I've tried to like find it myself, if I'm honest. Like, I haven't really looked too, too deep into my... Um, my ancestors and stuff because as I said they're all from different different backgrounds and stuff so I wouldn't really go too far into that but I have three really close friends who have all converted to Islam in the last four or five years and uh, yeah we, we we tend to help each other a lot if I'm honest although they converted I would I would honestly say that their their dean is even higher than mine like they they're really really into it because i don't know maybe because they're fresh muslims and stuff they're willing to learn about stuff so they're really into helping me and i'm into helping them so we always have like talks and discussions about the religion so it's good talking to them about stuff so now let's talk about how important is ramadan to you ramadan to me has always been like it sounds so cliche to say it, but it's, it's literally my favorite time of year when we were young we always just used to the build-up was like like so exciting we always just used to wait for it I don't know, some people associate Ramadan with like work and hard work and tiring and fasting, but we it was never like that for us. We just always associated it with like togetherness and and like spiritual feeling. Like everyone, everyone just seems so much happier in Ramadan, especially in our family as well. Like all my cousins and uncles and aunties. I mean, the, the vibes are just a lot better in Ramadan. So we've always loved it. What age did you start fasting from? I, I tried to start fasting when I was about six, seven six or seven years old literally um I remember my parents used to be like to me no do a half day do a half day and I used to be like okay and then I'd try they would give me like at like 3 30 4 o'clock when I finished school they would come with like water and and like a sandwich and stuff and then I'd try and hide the sandwich because I wanted to like fast the whole day I don't know why I just and all my older cousins were doing it and I used to just used to be like no I can do it I can do it so I don't know but um yeah so literally from from about that age I was trying to get into it and I properly started fasting when I was about 10, 11 years old, by choice though. My parents, they never really made me until I got to like the, the age of about 13, 14, they were like, this is when you have to like start to fast when we're supposed to. But they never forced me when I was younger. I just used to want to do it. But have you ever cheated? Have I ever cheated uh, while fasting? No, I don't think I have actually. Honestly, I, I can't remember. I, well, obviously sometimes you break it by accident. Did accidents happen quite often? Accidents have definitely happened. <laughs> accidents definitely happened. Most of the time, accidents happen, they always involve chewing gum. Because, like, you're just... Chewing gum is just that thing that you just you just don't even think about as food. Like, you're just on the train and you just put out chewing gum and you're like, no, oh. And you just have to... You can't spit it out because you're on the train and you're like, what do I do? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think most of my accidents have involved chewing gum. And what about the sahur, the pre-dawn meal? Can you wake up these days? Because it's really early. <laughs> yeah it is it is really really early but most of the time now if I'm honest we just don't go to sleep um, my friends they literally stay with us throughout the whole of Ramadan are the ones who converted so we're just up all night just we, we either having like religious discussions or like just chilling normally 
Or like, uh, yeah, we just try and keep ourselves up until Sahur. Then we have Sahur and then we sleep for like ages. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sahur is like, what, what is it now? Like th- like 2, 2.30 a.m. or something like that. It's really, really early. So it, it's actually not too hard to stay awake nowadays. And during Ramadan, we have the extra night prayers that are called Tarawih. So do you go to the mosque and offer those prayers? Yeah, definitely. Um, we all go to the local mosque. We, we go to Gatan Mosque. And uh, yeah, we try and go every single night and that that will help to keep us up as well for for Sahur, for starting the fast so what time do you come back from the night prayers um well if we go and like get a dessert after Torah we all get like some food and we should come back around midnight one o'clock so then we've only got like an hour to wait up if we come back straight after we've got a couple of hours it's, it's not too long and what is a typical Sahur breakfast for you Oh man, it varies every single year. I remember when I was young, my parents always used to try and force feed me like stuff that would keep me filled up. Obviously, like with lots of protein, like egg or like porridge or like like milkshakes or smoothies with egg in it. Like they used to hide the egg in the smoothies, so we didn't know. But um, yeah, nowadays I, it, it all depends. If I'm like really tired, I'll just have a bowl of cereal. If I can be bothered to make some egg, then I will have egg because it's like really good. It, it does fill you up for most of the day. And plenty of water as well? Oh, bucket loads of water, honestly. You should see the way... Because, I don't know, after like two glasses of water, you don't want any more. So you have, literally have to force force it down your, your own throat. Like it's, it's so funny. But yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of water. So you've talked about the particular foods that you eat, but are there any spiritual rituals that you follow in Ramadan? Well, we just we try and go to the mosque as much as possible. We usually try and uh, stay in the mosque from from Asr, which is the afternoon prayer, till Maghrib, which is the evening prayer. So then we break fast at the mosque of everyone. And uh, yeah, so usually every day we'll try and do that. And obviously then there's Tarawih, there's the extra night prayers. Yeah, it's just uh, we spend a lot of time together, which is really, really nice, honestly. And uh, we just try and do anything religious that we can <laughs> in throughout the day. We'll just try and do it. What do you look forward to most in Ramadan? I think it's it's a, co- a combination of things. I, I like having Suhoor in the morning with everyone. It's nice. Even though you don't feel like you should be up in the morning at that time, you do in Ramadan. Like you, You're just like, it's just, you're just so used to it. You're like, I should be up at this time. It just becomes normal. And uh, yeah, so I like that. Of course, I like breaking fast. It's honestly, for anyone who hasn't tried it, it's probably the best feeling you'll get in this world. <laughs> breaking fast after like 19 hours of not eating is so, so, so good. You become a lot more grateful for that food as well when you're breaking the fast, right? Oh, so, so, so grateful. Honestly, with every bite, you're like, thank you to God. <laughs> and does your schedule get busier in Ramadan? No, actually, it's um, so far every Ramadan I've been quite free, which is really good because I get to spend a lot of time with family and the people around me. But this Ramadan, you've got a pretty busy schedule. How are you going to manage that? I mean, yeah, it's going to be a bit different because I'm traveling and uh, stuff like that. But it's first of all, the for the traveling person, they don't have to fast. So there's that. So I will try and fast while traveling, but I know that I don't have to. So I can break it any time. And spiritually, you know, I'm just going to have to uh, do a lot of like reading and stuff. I can do that while I'm traveling. Obviously, you can't pray so much. You can't do the extra prayers while you're like on the plane and stuff. But um, (laughs) I can do a lot of reading and just a lot of stuff that that would be that would be good for me by myself, really. And do you suffer from Ramadan brain? You know, when you go a bit fuzzy or you get a bit irritable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Sometimes you find yourself thinking, what, 
doing stuff that you would never ever do. It's like, why did I do that? Oh yeah, I haven't eaten. You don't realize sometimes how much food helps you think <laughs> in the day. If you haven't had food for a while, you can become really, really stupid and just do some things that you would never ever find yourself doing outside of Ramadan. But yeah, it's okay. This is funny. Like what kind of things have you done? Um, things like just small things like not locking my car, leaving the front door wide open or like uh, eating when I'm not supposed to eat or like uh, what else is there? Just bumping parts of my body all around the house because I'm like <laughs> just can't walk properly. Stuff like that. Ramadan is a time for reflection and charity and you've been actively involved in raising awareness about humanitarian and social issues. Why is this so important to you? Um, growing up, I, I was always I was always told by my parents that charity is like right at the top of the list of stuff that we have to remember if we ever, ever had success. I mean, religiously as well, we're, we're always taught, of course, that charity is one, one of the five pillars of Islam. Like we have to think about it constantly. So, yeah, and me personally as well, whenever I used to see adverts on TV and stuff, it would really hit me. Like, like I, I would see other people watch them and think like, is it not like, is it not like hitting your heart like look at that like come on so the first time I was taken out there which was a couple of months ago I was taken out to Gambia in uh, the Gambia in Africa and it was my first proper charity trip and honestly it was amazing like I've never seen anything like it before and it really really did affect me I came back and I've been a completely different person ever since and yeah I'm really grateful to the for the opportunity and uh, yeah now I'm definitely looking to go somewhere like that again and what did you do out there in Gambia I was taken out there by a Muslim charity and um, I was I was filming with uh, orphanages mainly. We uh, we went and we gave some food to lots of different orphanages and this charity, they had their own orphanages that, that, that they, had, they had set up before in previous years. And so we were just visiting them and checking how they how they were doing. And honestly, they, these orphanages are helping so much and it was so nice to see where these children had come from to where they are now. And yeah, it's amazing. And they and were they excited to meet you? Did you sing for them? Uh, yeah, we sang a couple of songs together. They were, they were really good singers, really, really good singers, really good dancers. And uh, yeah, we had some fun, definitely. So what type of music do you really like? I prefer acoustic music, usually. Um, I listen to a lot of R&B, pop, like whatever's in the charts. I, I hear it, of course, when I'm out and about and stuff. And most of the stuff, if I'm honest, I don't really like nowadays. I used to like... I think music was so much better about five, ten years ago. Like, honestly, nowadays it's just dance and, and drum and bass. Like, I'm not really into it. But, um, yeah, I really love acoustic stuff. So, like, Ed Sheeran, uh, who else? Some of Justin Bieber's acoustic stuff is nice. Some of uh, Bruno Mars. Just just anything, anything like, anything like slow, calm and acoustic I really like. And how has your knowledge of reciting classical Arabic helped you? When I was young, uh, about... 11, 12 years old, I started to memorize the, the Quran and I memorized 10 juz, which is 10 chapters of it. And uh, yeah, I stopped when I was about 14 for, for exams and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it took me about two, three years to memorize 10 chapters. And uh, yeah, hopefully when I have some more free time, I'm going to try and carry on. How has that memorization helped you in your singing? I think melodically, it, um, it, it really like enhances like like uh, your voice i don't know this people have told me they've picked up on it like from when i started reciting quran they said your voice started to do like like things that like it wasn't doing before like my parents because they were obviously they heard me singing from a young age 
But when they heard they, when they heard me start to recite Quran, they were like, you know, you couldn't do that before. Like Quran has like helped you to do that those sort of riffs there and those sort of things there. So I think it helped me in that sense and also in the memory. Like I can memorize a song now in like one minute, literally. I just have to hear it once. Not even that. Like just I, I just I can just hear it one time, literally, and I'll memorize it like that. So I think uh, the Quran definitely helped with that side as well. And does that also help you in Ramadan? Do you recite the Quran more? And does that also help your singing as well? In Ramadan, I I try to read uh, one just a day because they say it's good if you if you read the whole Quran in uh, Ramadan, it's it's really good. There are some critics who consider your music unorthodox. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, th- there's always this this problem in the Muslim community: is music haram? Is it not haram? And by haram, you mean that it's not allowed, that it's forbidden. Yeah, and I get asked a lot. I, I'm not. I feel like I'm not. I know I'm not in the position to be giving any sort of advice on whether music is haram or not. I mean, you have to leave that for the people of knowledge. But I, this is what I do say to them. I say that I know my intentions. I'm singing about stuff that is good because I want people to listen to it and then do good after they listen to my music. I don't want them to listen to it and like give me money and think my music is amazing and stuff like that. So that's what I do say to them when I get asked these kind of questions. And uh, I, I was actually at Thought Park the other day and um, some boy came up to me. There was, there was like a Muslim school then. A boy shouted, music is haram, music is... And I was riding the ride. And while I'm on the ride, I can hear music is haram, music is haram. And I'm thinking in my head, what does he want me to say? Like, music is not haram? Like, or music is haram? Like, I, I, we can't say that. Like, we, we don't know enough. He definitely didn't know enough. He was like 13. And I don't know enough. I know. So I don't know what, what I'm supposed to say to stuff like that. Apart from I'm trying to do good. And do you write your own songs? Um, I mean, all the all the ideas of the songs, we all came up together. We had a writer who was assigned for the album, but we all like were with him. We were all telling him like the stuff that we wanted to be in the song. So I definitely expressed my feelings and, and like what I wanted him to put in the song. Um, but yeah, we did have a writer for the first album. And obviously you have shot to stardom and you have millions of fans. So how do you strike a balance between your faith and this newfound stardom? I try to I try to use my faith and what my faith tells me. Uh, about keeping my intentions clear to to help me deal with like this like thing that's happened to my life, because because honestly yeah it can get it can get to your head sometimes it can get it can get like it can get quite hard and 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 uh, it can get quite hard to stay on the ground. I have also have a lot of good family and friends of as I've said before who keep me on the ground and yeah I I also I try to think about it as sometimes two different lives like I have my own personal life and then. Obviously, this is just work. It's just it's just work like everyone else's work. So, um, yeah, but I, I do try to use my faith. I try to read what my faith says about how to deal with stuff like this. And it really does help. Does it feel like you're two different people when you've got your personal life and your work life? Yeah, honestly, people people call me Hannah Montana all the time because I have, I have two worlds. Like, it's so weird. Like, I'll go on tour and there'll be like all these like crazy screaming fans and this like buzz. And then I come home and I'm just normal me again just like chilling here by myself <laughs> on my phone in my room in my bed yeah it just it's like it it can sometimes it can it can feel really weird but but i like it at the same time that i get to experience both both sort of lives so you're a young british muslim man who's just turned 20 and growing up in our environment today can be quite complicated because there are a lot of pressures you know how do you feel growing up here in britain i know what you mean like there's a lot of things that that we're not allowed to do from our religion that 
are quite normal here for people to do growing up. And it's hard. You have to try and find a balance because you don't want to seem like an alien, but you also want to, like, follow your religion properly and correctly. So, yeah, it is hard, but you just got to prioritise, really. Like, sometimes you just got to tell your friends, like, I, I can't do this. Like, I'm just not allowed to do this. And, uh, yeah, and if they're your proper friends, they'll understand. If they're not your friends, then they're not your friends. We're going to end with your brand new single, Save Me From Myself, which you've released for Ramadan. Tell us a little bit more about this song. I haven't released anything for two years, so this is the first song coming out. It is, uh, the lyrics say it all, really. It's just asking God to, like, because I find that, especially for myself, I'm my biggest enemy when it comes to, like, sinning and stuff like that. So it's just asking God to, like, save me from my bad thoughts and from my bad intentions and uh yeah i really hope ev everyone's enjoying it and uh yeah i love the song honestly it's quite a good time to release it because ramadan is actually about bettering yourself and that's what the lyrics of the song are talking about just just trying to save yourself from any any bad thoughts and any bad energy harris it's been a pleasure thank you so much for sharing your ramadan with us thank you guys so much really enjoyed it I'm Ramona Ali, and you've been listening to a Ramadan edition of Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there's more to life than the purely physical. Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC. I want it all, I want it now. Forget about the consequences. I know that it's bad, it's better to wait. But sometimes I can't be selfish And the only sound I hear is right now And all my patience gets locked out I know that it's wrong And I wanna change I need you here with me Allah, Allah, Allah Save me from myself Oh, oh, oh.
hear this program again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.